The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where every week we get on the air and work super duper hard to make sure that you get the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your real estate investing business. And um, I have a little bit of an unusual guest today, not unusual in the sense that he's not a real estate investor like most of my other guests, but unusual in the sense that for the first time in 21 years, I got a request from him not to send any questions or uh, discuss any topics ahead of time. Not that you can't send in questions. You definitely should do that because uh, I'm a little at sea here because we've discussed nothing about what we're going to discuss uh, because he wanted to make sure that uh, this was a spontaneous conversation about real estate and his various areas of expertise. So if y'all want to help me out here with some questions, the number is 877-772-9658, 877-772-9658. Or you can send me an email at askvena at gmail.com. That's askvena at gmail.com. My guest today is Mr. Bill Twyford, who started out uh, with his own business at the age of 24, uh, painting commercial structures, water towers and silos and radio towers and things like that, until a respiratory problem uh, cut that particular path off and sent him out to Colorado for his lungs to heal. He became a real estate agent out there. Uh, was super successful in that field and then decided to turn his attention to real estate investing and particularly to short sales and has sold over 800 properties. If his name sounds familiar, it's probably because you know his wife, Dwan Bent Twyford, who has been a guest here on the station uh, a number of different times. He's joining us from his home in Colorado. Welcome, Bill. Well, how are you, Vina? I'm I'm doing very well, Bill. And um, I'm, I got to tell you, I'm a little thrown by this whole let's not discuss anything <laughs> before we get on the air thing. But hey, you asked for it, so we're gonna, <laughs> we're going to talk about um, you know stuff as it comes up. And again, of course, take calls from listeners at eight seven 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 two nine six five eight. So my first question for you. Because we have been discussing here in Ohio, and I actually did a webinar on this topic about a week ago as well, the fact that it looks like the market is turning. And I know that your your very favorite your very favorite strategy for buying properties, which is helping sellers who are in pre foreclosure to 
exit that without a foreclosure via a short sale um, is somewhat is somewhat market dependent. Like it it works better sometimes and it doesn't work quite as well sometimes. Are you looking forward to the downturn or are you dreading it? I'm really looking forward to the downturn. And I got to tell you, I, I really have been looking forward to this call, too, because when you and I started talking about no questions, I know how radio shows are. They give you like 10 questions and you, you know what the questions are and they always sound scripted and canned and stuff. So I kind of wanted it to be a little bit off the cuff so people could kind of get questions answered that they want answered versus just the standard 10 questions that you get. So um, going back to your question, yes, I'm looking for the downturn because, you know, when markets change, your strategies have to change. So when a market's hot, short sales is not what you need to be doing. Um, You know, maybe taking property subject to or doing a lot of wholesaling, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, you know, and, and I tell people all the time, it's not really what's going on in your market that makes you successful. It's going on what's between your ears because people make money in a bad market and people make money in a good market. It just depends on what your qualifications are, what your skill level is, and how well you can work within the guidelines of the market that you're in. So when you're in a market that's going down, you have to learn the different strategies to make that happen and to stay ahead of the market instead of getting behind the market. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's been my experience, you know, both being in the business for longer than I even want to say, and also from watching what happens at real estate associations, that when the market turns down, a lot of people who got lazy as the market was going up because they could make mistakes and it didn't matter because there were lots of anxious buyers in the market and because there were, you know, the prices were going up. And so, you know, if I, if I buy property for too much this year, it's okay. Cause next year it'll be worth what I paid for it. Suddenly when the market turns down, which is an amazing opportunity, they just, they just desert. Like they don't, they don't know what to do with that because you know, anybody who started in the business after 2009 has not seen anything but an up market. So that, that's a yeah. good, that's a good opportunity when, when all these folks who are, you know, let's kind of, let's face it. They're kind of, there's a lot of jokers in the market right now. Right. Who it really is. They think yeah. they, they think they know how to wholesale cause they watched a video on YouTube and yeah. <laughs> they're getting away with it because there's there's somebody out there who's even more anxious than they are, and yeah. they're they're going to be out of business if they don't retrain. Yeah, they're a product of their market is what they are, and you're exactly right. They watch a video on YouTube on wholesaling, and then they go out and they flip a deal, and make ten thousand bucks, and think, well, this is easy. But then when the market changes, they're just like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this situation. And then what happens is they may go out and lose money on a deal because the market's making a turn and they're not there to, uh, you know, to really understand and know what's going on in the market. They don't have the skill set to change. And they, they end up losing $10,000. So like, okay, well, I'm back to zero now. I better just get out of this market because I don't know what I'm doing. And what happens with a lot of those people, you're right, when a market's hot, everybody's an investor. But but. You know, the cream rises to the top when the markets start tanking and start going down because 
the people that understand real estate, they understand the cyclical cycles, and they understand what they need to do and how to change their strategies, those are the ones that are in for the long term. You get people jumping in just like they do to jump in on the stock market when it, or, or Bitcoin, whatever the heck it is. They're jumping in things when it's, when, it's, when it's hot. And a lot of times, most of America doesn't get in in time. You know, by the time you find out you need to jump in, it's almost too late. You know, so you have to really start looking at what's going on with what we call wealth phases in different markets in the country and try to pick good areas that are, are, are in, a, in a situation where they're appreciating here in the next few years. And there are markets out there like that just like there's markets that are depreciating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, lesson being, and we're going to have to take a, a quick break, and we're, we're actually getting some phone calls at 877-772-9658. But um, the, the, the lesson here is if you're serious about the real estate business, you should be looking forward to the downturn. Because as, as the late, great Jack Miller used to say, downturns are when real estate returns uh, real estate real estate yields return to their rightful averages, and they're they're great opportunities, and and the competition does uh, lessen enormously. But you can't be lazy in a down market. You've got to be skilled, and you've got to keep building your skills, and you have to understand what works in the down markets. Right, that's correct. All right, uh, this is Real Life Real Estate Investing talking today off the cuff to Bill Twyford and taking your calls and questions. 877-772-9658 is the number to call. Again, 877-772-9658 or just send in your question to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Bill Twyford, who along with his wife, Dwan Vint Twyford, is going to be presenting one of the three Thursday all-day workshops at the upcoming National Real Estate Strategy Summit. 917 people from all over the country are signed up as of this minute, and we have room only for 1,000 total people. And if you don't think we're going to sign up those last 83 people in the next week, you're wrong, because this is when everybody signs up. So if you are not registered for that, you might want to get registered for that. Dwan and Bill's all-day session is included as part of your tuition. So uh, if you like what you hear today or you need to know more about short sales, which are definitely a down market strategy, there's many more people who are facing foreclosure during a down market. There's many more people who get underwater during a down market because the value of their property drops and uh, Mm. banks get more motivated to deal with you. I will, I will share with you, Bill, uh, as you know, I, I sort of, when I talk to you and Dwan, I'm sort of like, Oh God, short sales. I just have somebody else to go for me, but I gotta be, I gotta be honest. I've done more short sales in the last 12 months than I did in the prior five years put together. Because here in this market, what we're finding is that, uh, particularly with ugly houses, which is my favorite kind of house, uh, they are getting very willing to accept serious offers, even at investor prices. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, that's that's really uh, great. And, you know, that right there, I mean, banks, you know, Banks are always on the cutting edge of everything. So they know when a market's changing. They're watching what's going on in markets. So when they're saying, yeah, we're willing to entertain a short sale, that should throw up a red flag right off the bat about your market. Going, okay, well, it's going a different direction now. Because two, three years ago, 
you mentioned short sales to banks in most areas of the country. They just laugh at you like, we're not going to short sale anything. The market's hot right now. So, you know, when you and, – and it's really – I think it's great that the market is starting to make a turn because, like I said, there's a lot of money to be made in a downturning market. That's really where a lot of money is, is made mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for us longtime investors. Yeah, and and uh, actually, Bank of America released a report, a research report, uh, right on a month ago now, where they they basically said we're calling it. We, we think we think prices have topped out on existing home sales. Uh, we don't expect them to go anywhere in the near future. That that that's going to be up, and that you know some of the things that had contributed to that were rising interest rates and you know affordability issues and. Uh, all the same stuff that we that we saw coming, and of course, the way the stock market has been performing over the last week or two uh, is only going to add to the possibilities of a recession and uh, people losing their jobs. And you know, it's 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 bad. Like it's a it's a bad yeah. it's a bad feeling to lose your house to foreclosure. And especially to to do the whole, you know the auction thing, and you know your neighbors all see yep. the thing published in the paper, and then you know mm-hmm. they see the sheriff come stick a sticker on your door here in Ohio, and then the bank evicts you from your own house, and you know we we make a lot of money when we do short sales, but I think it, it's important for people to realize that the reason they work is because they are so much more of like a a respectable, controlled exit for the sellers. Yeah, it, it really is, uh, because it's something that once you get a short sale file opened with the bank, then they're going to slow down the, you know, they're basically putting a hold on the foreclosure process because there's a short sale file open on the, you know, on the property. You negotiate out the short sale, you get the bank to agree to a, a price, and then what happens is, you know, the bank will give the homeowners a little bit of moving money, cash for keys, stuff like that, and they'll sometimes give them up to five, ten thousand dollars, depending on you know the area of the country and the house and stuff like that, um, to get them out of the property because the banks realize that it's easier to pay the homeowners to get out of the property and short sale the property than it is to take it back at the foreclosure. And then get a property that looks like Swiss cheese, which, you know, I know you've seen those before and I've seen those before where um, we say the homeowners have adjusted the equity on the home. And um, basically they, they bust stuff up, punch holes in the walls, do stuff like that. And uh, so the banks realize that doing a short sale is a cleaner exit for them. It's a better exit for the homeowners, a better exit for the bank. And it gets the, you know, these properties off their books. And that's a, you know, a, a big thing because, you know, banks and, and really the best time to short sale is the fourth quarter of the year, you know, October, November, December, because they're trying to the banks are trying to clean up their books for the end of the year. They want to get these non-performing notes, which we call NPNs, off of their books or get them into a performing status. So banks need to clean up their books because they have to borrow money from other banks or the Federal Reserve. And they need to not have so many foreclosures or non-performing notes on their on their books. So mm-hmm. it's a win-win for everybody. Uh, it, the homeowners doesn't sound like it's a win-win for them, but uh, you know what? They get out of their situation, and and when you're in a situation like that, uh, the big the, the most important thing you want is just to get out of that situation. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, and as as you mentioned, with the cash for keys programs that a lot of banks offer, it, this is the difference between I have to pay to sell my house because I owe because I owe one ninety and I'm also ten thousand behind in payments and it's only worth one fifty, or I get paid to move and can go and can go find a you know find a new place and get my family settled in and start rebuilding my life. So. It is a it is actually a huge huge difference, and many of these properties, as as you well know, uh, they need work. Like you, you don't you don't buy too many really perfect properties in short sale situations because someone who's been struggling to make their payments has also not had the roofer over to fix the leak and updated the kitchen and done all of those sorts of things. That's correct. A lot of these properties need what we call level two or level three rehab where you know you you need to come in you've got to do paint you got to do carpet you got to do updating you got to you know maybe put a roof on the property you've got some uh maybe some mold issues or some foundation issues uh because you know the 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 thing is is and, and i know you have this in ohio just like you have in most places you know when you have a gutter that backs up and it just starts you know running over the gutters because they didn't clean the gutters. You've got all this water going down into the foundation area. It's just saturating the foundation. You're creating all types of problems when it comes to, you know, the foundations cracking or lifting or then, you know, it freezes. Then all of a sudden you've got movement. And, you know, you've got a lot of these houses sometimes, and a lot of houses have foundation issues. But, uh, you know, that's one thing that you want to bring up with banks is when you're negotiating the short sale is, you talk about the stuff that's wrong with the property, you know? Um, and we always say on our first offer, it's all about the homeowner's distress and the condition of the property. If the property is in great shape, then don't talk about the property. Talk about the distress of the homeowner and the situation they're in and what we need to do together to get them out of that situation. So, you know, you're right. There's always something that has to be done with these homes. Uh, you know, the deferred maintenance on them is, is terrible a lot of times. And don't forget, when you take one of these properties over a lot of times, you may have one or two dumpsters full of crap that they leave in the house when they leave, when the homeowners leave. So uh, don't forget that little expense. That could run you 900 to 1000 bucks real fast. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, short sales are an entrance strategy. Uh, you know, a lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot of people, for some reason, they connect them really directly with wholesaling like it was like they had to go together. But I've bought short sales that I've rented. I've bought short sales that I've wholesaled. I've bought short sales I've rehabbed and resold. What is, What is your primary exit strategy with those? With the wholesales is I like to put them in, um, you know, I like to wholesale the, the short sales, to be honest with you. And I just put the contracts in an LLC, and then what I do is I just sell the entity because uh, a lot of banks are, are – they right now have deed restrictions on the properties, meaning that if you short sale the property, let's just say a bank says, you know, they owe $100,000, we are taking $60,000. Um, if we're going to take $60,000, we are going to throw a deed restriction on it saying that you can't sell it for 90 days. So if that's the case – um, I can't just take and pay the $60,000, let us say, but I have a, a buddy or a, an investor that can pay the 60000 So what I do is I write the contract in an LLC, and then instead of selling the property, I sell the LLC to him, maybe for seven for 10000 bucks. So he buys the LLC from me for ten, 
and then he takes over the contracts and closes on on the house for 60. So I make 10 grand wholesaling that contract, basically flipping that contract, and it's a short sale contract. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I uh, want to again invite listeners to give us a call with any questions that you have for Bill Twyford at eight seven 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 two nine six five eight, or send an email to askvina at gmail dot com, as Gina from Northern Kentucky did. She says, "Hey, Bill." When wholesaling, how do you tell the seller that you're not actually buying the property, just the right to sell the property, and then tell him you're going to have to parade folks through the property, contractors, prospective buyers, and not have him think you're a scam artist? Specifically, how does that conversation go? (laughs) Well, here's the thing you've got to work with, and I tell people all the time. Most people say, oh, it's all about location and real estate. And when you're dealing with homeowners, it's all about the motivation of the homeowner. You have to get the homeowner on your side. I have them sign a homeowner's agreement, which has all my disclosures in it. I explain to them that I purchase properties. However, sometimes I take properties, I get them under contract, and I turn them and sell them and flip the contracts. Now, you're telling me as a homeowner that you're okay with getting $3,000. So I'm willing to pay you the $3,000. However, I'm going to sell the house over here to one of these other investors who's going to come in, fix the house up, rehab it, and then resell it for retail after they close on it and do the rehab. So what I do is I have a conversation with them asking what do they need to move to their next house or to, or to move on, and they may say it's $3,000. So I'm willing to give them that. And then I explained to them that I am going to wholesale the property to somebody else. These are people I sell houses to. So I will set up a time that I'll have a couple wholesalers that will, or, or rehabbers that will come at the same time. And I would just have the homeowners not be there. And I will say, we're coming over at 3 o'clock today. I've got a couple uh, partners that I work with. And I'm going to go ahead and walk them through the house and get some uh, you know, expenses on what it's going to take to get this house rehabbed and get it retailed. And then what I do is have them have them leave. I walk them through the house, show them what they've got, and then I negotiate a deal with them. And then I just, you know, just wholesale the contract to them. Not a big deal. And here's the thing. Homeowners have to be motivated to get out of their situation. And when you're in a market that's going up, homeowners have choice because, one, the market's going up, and, two, everybody's chasing houses – when the market's hot, when the market's tanking, homeowners have less choice unless, unless they have a lot of equity because then they have a lot of people chasing them. But I specialize in chasing deals that don't have a lot of equity and take properties, what we call subject to. Now, you've got to have equity to wholesale these deals. So, you know, when I find a property that has a lot of equity, what I'll do is I may partner with the homeowner and do what we call an equity partnering agreement. And they and I will split the profits when we go in and rehab and fix the property up and sell it, which is a great avenue to take. If you don't have a lot of cash to cash the the homeowner out completely with all their equity and buy the property and pay it off at the bank, that's a great exit strategy because it puts people that can't afford to pay everything, at least go into an agreement with a homeowner and be able to deal with the cash investors that are running around and just giving homeowners just 
pennies on the dollar on their property because they're in foreclosure and they need to sell. And we're going to be talking about that at the Ohio RIA next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys have a whole day, so I know you're going to get to you're going to get to look cover a lot of different territory there, and then you're doing a second presentation on Saturday on negotiation, which is something I want to talk about after we take this break. If you have a question for Bill Twyford about whatever short sales, retailing, wholesaling, subject to's negotiation, give us a call at eight seven 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 two nine six five eight or send an email to askvina at gmail dot com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Bill Twyford. We're just talking like we didn't have any script or questions or topics that we had decided to talk about in advance. So you are welcome to enter the conversation with any questions you have. Bill is a 20-year veteran of the real estate business, so he could probably handle just about anything you want to throw at him. 877 877- 772-9658 is the toll-free number, 877-772-9658. You can also send a question via email to askvena, that's ask, V-E-N-A, at gmail.com. Bill, I want you to explain something to me. Okay. What is NLP? NLP is Neuro Linguistic Programming. Neurolinguistic programming is a way to talk to somebody using assumptive language patterns to get them to make a decision and to get them to move forward or get them off top dead center on, on getting them out of their situation or just making a decision to do anything. So I use NLP, assumptive language patterns, to help homeowners make a decision that I know is really what's right for them. You have to remember, when a homeowner is behind in payments, they didn't think five years ago, man, I can't wait till I'm 35 and buy a house and not make the payments and get in foreclosure and have to deal with you know, the sheriff's department or the, the county or whoever it is or the bank. So they don't really understand the process. And they're at a real disadvantage because they're dealing with the other party, which is the bank, that truly understands the process. So it's our job as an investor, the way I look at it, it's my job to help educate the homeowners on the decisions they need to make. That's why I give them a pamphlet that has 10 options on there. And the options basically are loan modification, a forbearance agreement, partnering with your equity, maybe a subject to, or doing a short sale, or maybe refinancing the house if it's possible, if they're not more than 90 days behind and they have a lot of equity, sell it with a realtor, maybe bankruptcy or deed and move foreclosure, or even do nothing and lose the house. I mean, that is an option. So I give them those options. I ask them what they're thinking about doing, and they don't really know what to do because this wasn't part of their plan. So it's my job as a communicator to help them understand the process, help them clear their mind and get them to go, you know what, you're right. I really need to work with you. I feel that you can help me out of my situation. And that all comes from communication skills and learning how to not take advantage of people because it's very easy to take advantage of people. There's a fine line between manipulation and persuasion. Manipulation is all about what I want as the investor. 
you know, well, I don't care about the homeowner, so I'm going to manipulate them into what I want because this is where I can make the most amount of money. And that's not what we teach. We teach how to persuade homeowners into making the decision that's truly best for them. And sometimes it's not a best decision for us. It's a better decision for them to do this than it is maybe to work with us. If I've got a homeowner that's 90 days from the sale and he's got a $200,000 house, he owes $110,000 on it, honestly, and no speaker will tell you this and neither will most investors, I would tell the homeowner, listen, you've got time to list this property and sell it. If I was you, I would list the property $179,000 and dump it and take, pay your realtor fees, get it on the market, get it sold, and get it closed within 30 to 45 days and take your cash and run. That's the first option that I would tell them because if I'm truly sitting there doing what's best for them, I have to give them that option. Now, that's not the best option for me. The best option for me is to give them five grand and buy their house and take the house over and go make 50 grand. But you know, the thing of it is you reap what you sow. And I always have been a firm believer that if you always do what's right for your customer, you will have more customers than you know what to do with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you didn't invent NLP. No. <laughs> this is something that's actually, it was actually around as a psychological theory starting back in the 50s. And that the, 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 the whole psychological yeah. theory thing has kind of been discredited. But uh, it it positively works as a communication mechanism, um, as a as a as a sales mechanism, as a as you said, getting people to just make a decision, which sometimes distressed homeowners have a hard time doing. Um, in fact, I think I think you'll agree that one of the one of the most that's, that's NLP right there. <laughs> one of the and I want and I and I actually do want to try. I want to try and role play it because it's interesting for people who haven't heard it before to hear it because it sounds a little strange at first but then you Mm -hmm. sort of you sort of get how it works but um i think you'll agree that one of the most um devoted and successful practitioners of that particular strategy in the whole country is marshall silver correct like that guy (laughs) that guy when i heard when i heard marshall the first time was down in south florida and I remember I'm standing in the back of the room. Dewan and Sharon are, have this big event going on with some other RIAs down there, kind of like the Ohio RIA, but of South Florida. And, and I'm sitting there, and I'm watching him do his presentation. And I said to Dewan and Sharon, Sharon was Dewan's partner, I said to them, I go, oh, my, I said, listen to his pacing and leading. I said, he's using so many embedded commands and assumptive tag phrases. And I said, oh, my gosh, look at, listen, I said, Listen to the awareness presuppositions. And they're kind of looking at me like they don't know what I'm talking about, which at the time, I guess they didn't. I just assumed, you know, that people hear that, but they don't. And I'm thinking to myself, he's so polished and so good at what he does that I just thought, God, this is great. So, you know, Marshall talks about he's got this, you know, 20,000 square foot mansion. He's got this Olympic sized swimming pool and all of that stuff. So afterwards, I went up to Marshall. Now, you know, I know what Marshall knows, but Marshall doesn't know what I know. And so I went up to Marshall, and I shook his hand. I said, Marshall, that was an incredible presentation. And I'm nodding my head. He's nodding his head back. And I said, you know, it's going to be fun coming to your turning point. And he says, no, it's a great place to go. And I said, yes. 
And I said, you know what? I said, we'll be staying at your house in Vegas, swimming in your pool. That's going to be great, isn't it? And he looks at me and he goes, yeah. And then he goes, no, don't do that to me. I said, what do you mean? He said, you know what you're doing. I said, oh. I said, well, I'm just messing with him, you know. So it was kind of fun. So we, we, we really have a blast when we get together. But that's true. You know, when, when you know, I can say to you, Vina, if you're a homeowner in distress, you know, I can say what a normal investor would say. Well, Vina, what do you want to do? Do you want to get out of your situation or do you want to keep messing with the bank? When I could say something like, well, you know, after talking with you, Vina, obviously you want to get out of your situation, don't you? Now, obviously, as an adverb presupposition, and I'm saying something that I know you're going to say yes to because you're not going to say, no, I don't want to get out of my situation. And I'm using don't you as an assumptive tag phrase to build the agreement to get you to say yes back to me. Because the more times I get you to say yes, the easier it is for me to move you forward into signing a contract. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you want to get in your situation, don't you? Working with me is going to cause that to happen. Let me show you exactly what we can do to help you get some cash and get out from underneath this property and this problem. Okay? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You know, I say stuff like that, and the people, you can just see the light goes on. There, You're like, you know, you're right. I do need to do something. You know, and I think I can work with you. And you know what? It's all a build. You're just building it all the time. And you're not using a lot of negative phrasing like, you know, well, you know, you probably wouldn't want to get out of your situation, would you? You know, because then that kind of wakes them up and goes, well, yeah, I want to get out of my situation, which that's another strategy. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm a little more into um, application-based NLP. I don't really teach why it works. I just teach in the arena that I'm in, most people want to just know what to say and how to say it to get a homeowner to go, you know what, you're the guy I want to work with. Because mm-hmm. I've had so many people at the door when I've talked to them, they say, you know what, you're the kind of guy I've been waiting for. Because they just feel comfortable. Their guard is let down. And students see it all the time when we go out into the field. They see, while well, somebody that doesn't want to talk all of a sudden, you get them to open the door a little farther. The next thing you know, you give them a free packet of information, and boom, their their guards down, and they'll they'll tell you their whole life story. Mm-hmm. Now you have to watch out because they invite you in the house. You have to say, you know what? I can come in, but I've got another appointment in 15 minutes. So what you have to do is start controlling your boundaries and controlling your schedule. If you get into a house, somebody that likes to talk a lot, the next thing you know, you're in there for two hours. And you don't want to do that. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. want to, you want to be in and out and review the package and let's go ahead and talk. Let me get your number, that kind of stuff. So you can stay on schedule for what you need to do for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. There's always a part two, isn't there? It's, there <laughs> I mean, always pe- is. People get, people get the basics. Like, you know, they, they, they learn about marketing, but then they don't know about the part about how you have to be able to field the calls and how to not be on the phone for hours and how to follow up on people who say no and people get into short sales and they don't know the next part about how you know these folks are in very bad situations and they need somebody to talk to and if they decide that's you you can in fact find yourself on two and three hour appointments which can can be problematic all right we've been there before haven't we Yes, yes. We need to we yeah. need to take another quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to listeners at 877-772-9658 or via email at askvina at gmail.com.
Support comes from Fairfield Community Arts Center, known as the Stradivarius Voice. Maureen McGovern performs her hits at the Fairfield Community Arts Center Saturday, November 3rd at 8 p.m. This multi-Grammy nominee, Broadway, and recording artist continues to thrill audience with hits that include The Morning After, Different Worlds, Can You Read My Mind, We May Never Love Like This Again, and many more. Tickets for Maureen McGovern can be found at www.fairfieldoh.gov slash tickets or 867-5348. Checking on traffic now. We have a couple of new problems on the traffic board. An accident southbound 75 between 275 and Sharon Road. Accident Galbraith at Kenwood. Gebhardt at East Social Row Road. An accident McMillan at Auburn. Winton at Gray. Hamilton at Clover Knoll. And 75 southbound at Glendale Milford. Your weather forecast this evening calls for clear skies, a low tonight around 33, so we could get some more frost tomorrow morning. Tomorrow, sunny and 55, but then on Friday, a 70% chance of rain sometime around 11 noon, and then on Saturday and Sunday, a slight chance of rain as well, with daytime high temperatures over that period in the mid to lower 50s. It's 57 degrees now here at 89.3 and 89.9. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Bill Twyford, one of the 23 featured speakers at the uh, 2018 National Real Estate Strategy Summit, which I know a lot of listeners are coming to, and we do appreciate your pledges to WMKV for the special package that we offered uh, about a month ago to come to that. Uh, There are still some seats available. But uh, you better grab them quick because we are going to fill up this year. Uh, Okay, Bill, I have a listener question here. This is from Shauna in Cincinnati. She says, I made an offer on a listed short sale, but when I got the acceptance letter from the bank, it said I could not resell the property for 180 days. How do you deal with this when you're a rehabber who can finish a project in two months? Well, there's a couple options you have here. One... I always tell the students, or I always tell the uh, attendees, that sometimes it's tough to deal and buy in short sale properties that are listed with agents at the time because that agent is an a team player, part of your team. Um, because when I get a homeowner under contract, I'm going to have in the banks that needs to be listed, I'm going to have my agents that, that I know list the property. When you have a property like this that is listed with an agent and they do a deed restriction of, of six months, it's 180 days, and you can get it fixed in the next two months, you have a couple options here. One, if you're going to keep it and re, if you're going to rehab it yourself, you're in a position to where you're going to have to hold it for the six months. You may want to look at the option of going in and selling the contract to somebody else, okay, and taking some profit out of it there. Because otherwise you're going to have holding costs for that, you know, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth month before you can sell it. Now, if you're going to sell it, because you're probably going to sell it to a retail buyer. A retail buyer is somebody that's going to come in and move into the property. That's where you're going to make the most amount of money. Now, if you're going to go ahead and rehab it and sell it to a landlord, well, there's a couple options you have here. That landlord could go in and let's just throw some numbers out. Let's just say it's a hundred thousand our house. The bank took 50,000. Okay. And you've got to put $10,000 into it. Let's say, 
So you're at $60,000. You can sell it to this landlord for $80,000. Well, what you can do is you can structure up a, an option contract with the landlord to where maybe he pays down $60,000 as option consideration. And then after the six months, he's got, you know, his four months. Let's just say you get the house rehabbed, you find a buyer for it in the second month. Then now you can't sell it for another four months. So what you do is you could go ahead and option that, have him pay you $60,000 as option consideration. Now you've got all your money back. You get the 50 grand back you paid for it, the 10 grand that you put into it. Now all you've got left is your profit of $20,000. And then he exercises his option after the six-month period. That's one way you can do it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense, Vina? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but, but you've got to have a landlord that's got the cash to do that. If you're selling to an end user, you're going to have to hold that thing for, for basically another four months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, Sean, I build it into your costs. I mean, that's actually not an uncommon... Yeah. That's not an uncommon restriction in uh, short sale acceptance letters. And by the way, Bill, we need to we need to talk about the fact that if you've made an offer that says I will pay you, Mr. Bank, one hundred and seventy thousand dollars and they quote accept it, but include a letter that changes the terms of your original contract. You don't have to buy that house. That's not an acceptance. That's a counter offer. That's right. You don't have to. You can go back and try to renegotiate that. That's exactly right. That's a counter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I was just going off the question, if that's what the acceptance is and all the parties agreed to it and I can get it done in two months, then I'm just thinking of options that they could do. And I've done a lot of options like that with people um, doing it because I have, you know, I have cash buyers. So they're just like, hey, you know what? Fix this thing up for me. I'll, I'll buy. And here's the thing. It's a, it's a good deal. Like we talked about earlier, you've got to have a win-win for everybody. It's a good deal for the landlord because it's a hundred thousand dollar house. He's getting it for eighty. Okay, it's a good deal for me because I'm making twenty grand on it. So you know, it's a it's it's a quick little profit, and I'm basically, uh, you know, heck, I can option. I could have him option that thing the day of closing if I wanted to, and use his fifty grand. Mm-hmm. So and 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 you know, get have you know option that thing right away for for six months. That's not a problem. You could do that and use all his money. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Very true. Now, here's a sort of semi-related question from Joe in Chicago. He says, I've approached a number of different sellers directly about short sales, but then when I contact the bank, they tell me that a real estate agent has to be involved and the property has to be listed. How do we deal yeah. with this? That's where you build your team of investor, uh, investor-friendly agents. I have one here in Colorado named Scott, and whenever I get a homeowner that's in distress and they need it listed, Scott lists the property, all right, because I want to have control of what's going on with that deal with the investor, with the realtors that are involved. That's why I don't personally chase short sale deals that are listed with agents. I chase homeowners that are behind in payments that need to short sale their property, and then when the bank says it needs to be listed, they list it with the agents that I have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and they're and, not agents that work for me. They're just agents that I know that are investor friendly that will let me 
make phone calls and do some negotiating. Mm-hmm. And quickly, quickly walk me through how that works, because, uh, you know, so I've contacted the homeowner. I've already, right. they've already agreed to sell at the price that I want to pay, assuming the bank will accept it. And now an agent is walking into this situation with a requirement from the bank that the property must be put on the open market. Uh, do mm-hmm. they do they accept other offers? Do they, uh, you know, do they get involved in the negotiation with the bank? How does that work? Now you're treading on thin water, aren't you, girl? <laughs> All right. Now here's what this is why this is why I like to have open questions because of this kind of stuff. This is the stuff that never nobody ever really hears. So what 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 I do, I go ahead because remember, you have to look at the verbiage. The, the bank says we need the property listed in the MLS. Okay. So we have Bob Jones, who's the, who's the homeowner that's behind in payments. I talked to Bob. We work a deal out. He lists the property with Scott. Scott puts it in the MLS. He sends me a printout showing that it is an active listing in the MLS. I send it to the bank. He immediately goes right in and puts it under contract. Because it is under contract. It's under contract with myself. Now, when properties are being out there marketed by other realtors, they see properties that are active and they see properties that are under contract. And when they see the ones that are under contract, they generally don't show those. I never have showings on any of the properties I have listed. The bank says, as a requirement for the bank, we need the property listed for, we need a 90-day listing. Okay, fine. So basically what you're telling me, Mr. Banker, now here we're using NLP, it's called level shifting. I'm saying back what I think I heard you say to make sure we're both in agreement with what you have said. So we need the property listed for 90 days. Okay, so basically what you're telling me, Mr. Banker, is you're going to go ahead and extend the sale out another 90 days so the sale doesn't happen before the listing expires. Is that correct? Well, yes, it is. Okay, sounds good. So we'll go ahead and get the property listed. I'll get you I'll get you a copy of the active listing. So we send that to them. They're happy with that. It sits on the market for 90 days. It's a good deal for the homeowner because the homeowner didn't make payments in those 90 days. They get to live free. So I tell the homeowners, I go, listen, your payment's 1200 bucks a month. Rent would be 1200 bucks a month. That just saved you $3,600. <laughs> I'm in no hurry to get the deal and get it closed because – I'm out prospecting four or five hours, five days a week or three days a week. So I have other deals I'm working on. It's just a time frame for me to deal with. So I let the time run out. Boom. Or the offers in the bank. Let's say they accept it. We close on it. We get the homeowners moved out, get them the cash that they needed, and we move on to another deal. Mm-hmm. But see, the thing of it is, it's all about motivation of the homeowner do what you need to do. It's all about having the right people in place to control your deal because you're either in control of your deal or somebody else is in control of your deal. And when you're dealing with realtors, most of the time they're in control unless they're working with you and they're people that you can call up and say, hey, here's what I need to have done. Hey, I need some cops. I need this. And they're willing to do that for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as always, having the right people on your team is important. And it's, it's a slightly different team when you're doing short sales than it would be. This might not necessarily be the same agent that you're using to find you deals because they need to have a level no, of expertise yeah. in, in doing right. this. And uh, 
you know, it just goes to show, you know, people people hear about short sales and they they think, well, you know, how hard could it be? I just call up the bank and I talk to somebody and oh my gosh, that is so not the way it works in real life. <laughs> so so if if it's, you it's not. Yeah, there's 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 many there's many little details and moving pieces and you know, those are those are the reasons that we go to trainings like the National Real Estate Strategy Summit and our RIA meetings and all of those sorts of things. So, uh I do look forward to seeing you and Dwan there and uh hope that lots of listeners will come and take advantage of that opportunity as well. Well, I hope you like the format today because I know, I know it threw you a little bit off too. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was fun. It was fun. It was fun. Well, I'm always happy to come back, Mina. I love hanging around you guys and, and I can't wait to see everybody at the Hyria. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.